Hi, this is Laura. And Kathy. This, this is, is the, the Tech, Tech Plus Books Pod. Where we talk tech. And books. Just a reminder, all opinions are our own. Hey everyone, thanks for listening again to Tech Plus Books Pod. Today's hot topic is imposter syndrome. And specifically, I think we're going to address imposter syndrome as school librarians or in librarianship. And Kathy and I were talking about this earlier. Um, she found a great article written by Hilda Weisberg. Yes. yes. All right. Titled On Libraries When in Doubt. She posted it um, in November of 2018. So about a year ago, she posted it. And I remember seeing it when she posted it. And honestly, that it was really the first time I'd ever heard of imposter syndrome was when I came across this <laughs> um, article and I was like, oh, that's that's a real thing. Like, yes. because I know I remember when I was in the classroom and even now is in the library in the library. I I remember there were times where I was like, OK, today is going to be the day. It's going to be the day where someone walks in and realizes that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. And that's a very real fear that yeah. people have. And I didn't realize that that wasn't just me. Right. Right. <laughs> First of all, that it has a name and, <laughs> and that other people are experiencing that too. Um, I don't know if it's different at the elementary or with a fixed schedule, but when I started as a school librarian, having that flex schedule... And people didn't know who I was yet. And so they weren't coming in to, to collaborate with me. So there was a lot of time. I was starting to be like, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. Like, am I doing this right? Like, should I be sitting here studying the collection? Should I be out, like, observing classes? The thing that comforted me was I figured nobody else in that building knew what I was supposed <laughs> to be doing either. So I figured I was okay. And it was totally like a fake it till you make it moment for a couple of weeks there. I was like, not sure. I'm not sure if I'm librarianing this enough. Yeah. And I mean, I can sort of relate to that because I do have kind of a partial fix, partial flex schedule. And so there is that, you know, flex time where you're like, well... Um, right. I think what, if like, what should I be doing? children are in your face, like you are on, you have to, to just pretend like you know what you're doing because they will catch you in a heartbeat. And, yes. be like, and they will call you out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I feel like if, if there's more flexible time that you might be like, I don't know how I should be spending my time right now. So imposter syndrome is all about like that self-doubt. Are you doing your job well, and and that fear that you're going to get found out of being an imposter, a faker. <laughs> the faculty at my school is reading a, a book this year, The Wild Card by Hope and Wade King. And one of their earlier chapters has a don't listen to the Joker. And so the Joker in this sense is that that inner voice that's laughing at you when you make a mistake or it's telling you like, 
you can't do that. You're not creative or don't try to pretend like you can, you can transform your, your room or that lesson. Um, and so hope and waking have, have like, don't listen to the Joker. It's a bunch of nonsense, you know, believe in yourself and, and try, try small. Um, don't listen to that negativity and that negative voice in your head. You've got to shut it down and don't let that voice be what the, the mantra yeah. So did they have any um, like tips and things in their book for dealing with it? They kind of suggested they, they have a scenario where somebody used the wrong kind of tape for all of these decorations they put all over their room. And the next day they walk in and of course, they're all on the ground. And so they were like, the show must go on. You know, it's it's disappointing, but not to to let yourself obsess over that. You know, you try and and to let people see that you're trying, you're trying to make that effort. Um, they shared another embarrassing moment that Hope had where she was wearing a costume and she had a, a wardrobe malfunction and it was in front of a bunch of parents. But to, to just kind of laugh about that, again, you were trying and that's the, the important part there. Yeah. And I mean, it's we're trying to teach our kids mm-hmm. to fail forward right. and try new things. So you know, it's a good opportunity to just own your failures and say, hey, you know, this right. didn't work and just move on. Right. Don't and- get hung up on it because you can be reflective on it of like, okay, I use that kind of tape next time I'm not doing <laughs> that or, but to grow from, from those experiences. Um, I know that in the article that I talked about earlier, one of the big things, um, one of the suggestions was to stop comparing yourself to others excessively. You know, a little healthy competition is is good. But, you know, if you're spending all day long on social mm-hmm. media and seeing these amazing things going on, it, it, keep it real. Like, right. Nobody's going to post Pinterest on. <laughs> no one's going to post on Twitter their worst mm-hmm. lesson mm-hmm. or no one's going to take a picture and put it on Instagram of a, a project that is just horrible. Like they're just <laughs> exactly. not going, going to do it. <laughs> exactly. So our, our feeds and, and our accounts are, are a showcase of our best work. And sometimes when you're scrolling through somebody's account, you're like, oh my gosh, that person is amazing. They do so much awesome stuff. But knowing that, that it's not that way 24 seven in their space. Yeah. Their graphic novel section is a mess too. <laughs> <laughs> or completely empty shelves because they're all gone and you haven't figured out how to put something there to take up the space. Right. But. So I think getting ideas from social media is absolutely fine. Um, I was listening to a podcast where this guy was saying, I almost didn't share a book tasting that I'd done because I, I just took a few pictures and it was kind of thrown together. And he said, I got so much praise on social media about it. And people are like, oh, that's so creative. That's so great. And he's like, I felt like he was kind of, I, I felt like an imposter because I didn't really spend a lot of time on it to make it look pretty enough. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
but it was, it was fine. It was a great lesson and it inspired other people too. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent guilty of this, by the way, (laughs) I will take pictures or video of something that's gone on in my library. And then I will go back and look at it and I'll see something in the background, like a messy (laughs) shelf in the background. And I'll be like, I can't post that. And I really have to get over that, but yeah, get over that perfectionism. (laughs) It's just, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be real. Another tip that I came across in my reading about this was to focus on your strengths, focus on what you're good at, and, you know, really put your energy into that. And that's kind of counterintuitive into in as far as what we're hearing these days, because you're constantly being told, push yourself out of your comfort zone, try new things, do things that you're uncomfortable with, and that that you would normally not try. And that's great. And of course, we should all be doing that. But sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to be able to do your thing and do it well and become an expert. Right. And you got to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in the public library world, there was um, a children's librarian who did a lot of guitar playing and singing and some of the other public librarians were like, I don't sing. And so it, it kind of had to be a thing like, okay, you don't have to sing. You don't have to play the guitar. You are, could be a great storyteller or you might have some cool props. Like that might be your thing that, that you're really good at too. Puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I brought out a puppet just the other day, actually. Yesterday, as my kids were leaving school, I stood outside the library. Well, I always stand out there in the afternoons as they're leaving during dismissal. But I took a puppet with me and I was like, goodbye, everybody. Have a good weekend. And they thought it was hilarious. See, just like owning (laughs) your own unique oddities or um, what makes you special and stand out. I think that's important. And also to give yourself some some self-care. Sometimes we need to step away. Sometimes we need to have a cathartic cry if, <laughs> if we need to. But um, also, you know, do what, what brings you joy and, and reminds you of why you're in this world too, of, of why, why you want to, to serve schools or children. Yeah, and kids especially, but also the the adults in the building mm-hmm. people appreciate you being real mm-hmm. people appreciate you doing what you love and yeah. excelling at it i think that you're true you bring up a good point about like talking to other people when i looked up imposter syndrome i was coming across so many articles about like the tech world and also women in tech and so you and i were talking about this that um maybe women feel this way more than men um, I certainly think that it's not exclusive to to women, but I think sometimes women might feel inadequate. Systemic issues <laughs> are at play, okay, folks? But we might um, feel more inadequate. And so think that there might be more female librarians out there who also feel this way. So acknowledging that, talking to other people like, and, and to just sharing. I, I totally told somebody at my work, I was like, I I feel like I'm a complete new person all over again. I'm a noob all over again. <laughs> and I, was, I told them, I said, I promise you, I'm not 
um, a loser. <laughs> I actually do know some stuff. And, and um, the person turned to me and they're like, you know, I've only been in my role for six months too. How do you think I feel <laughs> the same way? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, there are so many other people who feel the same way. So to, to just kind of share those feelings with a friend or a coworker. Yeah. And I know that when I found this article a year ago, you know, it was, I had never really talked about feeling that way. So it, it helped me to start verbalizing it mm-hmm. and talking to people about it. So. I think too, once you start that conversation, you also need to listen um, and listen to the people who are giving you the compliments and the praise and believe them that they really are being truthful when they say, thanks, you really saved me by, by helping me do whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's so hard for some people to just, I mean, just in general, it's hard for people to take compliments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you're already having these professional doubts about everything, it's hard to believe people sometimes. So here is my message for the listeners. You are an incredible librarian or school librarian, whatever you are. If you are listening to Tech Plus Books Pod, you are already a great, great person at whatever you're doing. Because... You're taking time out of your day to listen to these these imposters <laughs> talk about, about tech and books. So I believe that you are doing an awesome job already. <laughs> Share your awesomeness with us, please. So today's tech tip that I wanted to share is is my my one bit of magic. It is a Google extension called Google Tone. And this works really well if you can push extensions out to Chromebooks, if you are a district with one-to-one Chromebooks. If all of the devices have Google Tone, say you're on a website, say you're at a news article and you want your, your students to get to that news article really quickly. Um, maybe you, you hadn't planned this out, but say they asked a question and, and you, you, you pull up a news article that, that answers it and you want them all to, to read that. You, you haven't created a bit.ly link for it. You haven't put it on your LMS or Google Classroom or something like that. So how do you get them to it? You can hit Google Tone and it's going to make this, this lovely chime noise brings up a little message box in the right-hand corner of their screen that it will say, Laura Aldridge is sharing a link with you. And you click on it. it brings you up to that web page with that article. So you don't have to write out a long URL on the board or stop and take that time. It's really helpful if you don't don't have like a, a Google Classroom set up already and, and put those things on there. So in the meeting that I was in, it was a, a, a school improvement meeting, committee meeting, and somebody was on the agenda, um, the, the Google Doc, but it had been renamed. So nobody else could find the, the agenda that, mm-hmm. so that the person leading the, the, the meeting was on. And I was like, well, you could just do Google Tone and share it with us that way instead of resharing it um, through the shared link and putting all of our email addresses in because we were all in the meeting. So you could share it out through Google Tone that way. 
does your whole district now have it on there? No. Or did they all during that meeting have to go install it real quickly? Yes. <laughs> because I told them about it, um, they all uh, they all added the extension really quickly. And, and um, I spent the rest of the meeting getting little Google tones for silly memes and birthday gifts of uh, motorcycles that I was like, okay. So to be fair, once students know Google tone, um, they will probably play around with it too while you're doing a lesson or a lecture or something. You'll hear them. You would definitely have to like set expectations with your class, use it with a group of students where you've already got that. Um, yes. Those that classroom culture. The good news <laughs> is like it does make that noise. And that's how it, it gets sent to all of the other Chromebooks because your your sound has to be on to amplify that sound out to the other Chromebooks. So it is going to to make that sound and you will hear it. Oh, um, so it has to have the sound. So they couldn't do it secretly. Correct. Yeah. Oh, they're not gonna they're not fabulous. gonna get away with it. They're not gonna get away with it without you hearing it. Exactly. So it does make that sound. And I was telling Kathy it was it's helpful for, you know, little kids if you didn't already have like a QR code for them to scan or you didn't already have that link somewhere and you just needed to to pull up have everybody pull up something really quickly. Yeah, that is fantastic. I'm gonna share that with my um, with my fourth and fifth grade teachers. I love this. I love this. <laughs> it's my one bit of magic. <laughs> okay, I am so excited to talk books today. I am too. I really am. So um, my books that I'm going to talk today, it's not a specific book, but it's a... Um, it's not really a series. It's a bunch it's of an imprint, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the Branches books and the Acorn books done by Scholastic. The Branches books, they are beginner chapter books for, I think they recommend ages five to seven is what they say. But you're, you're really looking at reading levels, maybe mid second grade, third grade-ish. And they have, I can't even tell you how many series they have, but they have little mystery ones. They have funny ones, the Kung Pao chicken ones. <laughs> they have Missy's Super Duper Royal Deluxe, so fruity ones. The Owl Diaries are really popular, so for kids who like little animals and things. They have the Press Start ones, which are video games. They have um, some fantasy ones, Dragon Masters. I mean, so many of them. I mean, there must be 15 different series within the Branches brand. I love these books because the, the kids that are at that point in their reading lives, they're so excited that they can finally read chapter books. They want to mm -hmm. grab these these really, well, they want to get really thick books. Right, the big tomes. And <laughs> they really, they don't really know how to pick out books that are right for them yet. So they tend to just get chapter books that they mm -hmm. just, they just can't read them, yeah. them yet. Yeah. And of course, I let them get whatever they want. But I have these, the Branches books, I have them all on one shelf. And there's so many options for every, as far as every type of genre within mm -hmm. them. I had a kid the other, other day that picked up the Harry Potter, the fourth Harry Potter, mm -hmm. Goblet of Fire. 
And I knew as soon as he picked it up, like, you know, this, this kid's not going to be able to read this. So of course I don't say, you can't read this. You can't get this book. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you get this book? But why don't you also get this Dragon Masters book over here? Because the cover kind of looks the same. And I think you really might be interested. And if we open it up, look, it has pictures. Right. And um, so I can send that kid out still with that Harry Potter book that I know he's never going to be able to get through. And but I, I can also send him out with a book that that I know he's going to read and be able to enjoy. So would you recommend these books for kids phasing out of those early um, easy readers like Elephant and Piggy? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So this is kind of like that next step up before you're reading. Yeah, actually, this is. This is one step beyond that. Okay. That's where the acorn books come in. Okay. Because the acorn books are are really, those are recommended for ages four to seven. So just that they start a little bit easier than that. And these were just released. I, I got the first one in my, with my book fair last year. And that was like a unicorn sparkly kind of one. They're just now releasing the a Krabby book one. And there's one by one of the dragon books. So they have a whole, a bunch of those that they're releasing now. And they're very similar to the Branches books, um, except there's less words per page. And they're geared toward just, just a little bit easier than the Branches ones. Yeah, so I do know that my son, he's four, and he has a few of the Acorn books. He has the Hello Hedgehog books, and I think he likes them because he can recognize some of those sight words, and it looks like a graphic novel, and he's very into kind of comic books and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, I actually don't have any of the Acorn books in my collection yet. They're on my next book order, but the, the Branches books that I do have because for the past well really since I started four years ago I've been building up my collection of the branches books so I have a lot of those and they circulate very well that's awesome what book are you going to talk about this time I really want to talk about Darius the Great is not okay by Adib Karam it is a delightful book and the author just recently announced that there's a sequel that will be coming out next spring, I think 2020. And it's a great book for us to talk about with our imposter syndrome, because our main character, Darius, he is, he doesn't feel like his full Iranian heritage. He didn't grow up speaking Farsi. He's going on his first visit to Iran in high school. And he feels like everybody else is adjusting better to that than him. He does deal with depression and that's kind of like the, his only similarity to his dad. He talks about his dad being like this, this uber cool guy. Um, and Darius just does not feel that way. Darius has a part-time job at a tea shop. (laughs) So that kind of gives you an idea of who he is. I, fell in love with Darius. I thought he was great. And I will say that this book, even though it is young adult, I felt okay putting it in my middle school collection as well. It was not, I I feel like um, sometimes YA can be very violent or have a lot of profanity. Mm -hmm. And this book did not have that. It was, it was a, a great 
book as far as that that coming of age. Mm -hmm. He develops a friendship with um, another um, boy in Iran, and it is it was wonderful to see them both kind of deal with some some trauma and also the mental illness aspect. And so it includes a lot of those those things like um, mental illness or or diverse own voices and things like that. But also it it has a lot of of just funny pop culture nerdy things because Darius is obsessed with Star Trek. And so as as somebody who is a little nerdy too, I again, I loved Darius and I thought found him just to be such a likable character, even in his his curmudgeon-y like <laughs> um, personality. He was he was a real um, joy. And I think that the author did a fabulous job when the family goes to Iran creating that world building. We talk about that mm-hmm. in fantasy books, but I've never been to the Middle East. But I totally loved his description of what life was like there. Um, and so I, I'm so excited. That, so the sequel is coming out this spring. And then there was some recent news that Darius is going to also possibly be turned into a movie. So I'm just so, I'm so giddy with excitement for it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Tech Plus Books Pod today. Next time, we're going to be discussing audiobooks and ebooks and the pros and cons of adding them to your collection. So I um, hope you guys come back and listen again. Let's keep the conversation going. You can follow Tech Plus Books on Twitter at TechPlusBooksNC. You can email us at techplusbookspod at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a message via Anchor at anchor.fm slash techplusbooks.